Well, Merry Christmas. Everybody got all your gifts bought and purchased and ready to go? Anybody? Bueller? Anybody? All right. Glad that you're here today. God is good. And all the time. I'm going to invite you to find your way to 1 Corinthians 15 as we will be there in a moment. We are going to sing, or we're going to look at several verses of Scripture before we get there. Uh, but we're going to walk through those pretty quick, and so it might be easiest for you to camp out in 1 Corinthians uh, 15. But as we just sang about, our hope is in who? It's in Christ. What's the next word? Alone. And what we realize, and, and I think no season better makes us realize this, is that if our hope is in anything but Jesus, we're going to be left wanting. We're going to be left in despair or a little bit uh, misguided or frustrated. So if you're not aware, my name's John. I am blessed to serve as a pastor here at Hallmark, and I want to thank you for being here. Uh, if I haven't had a chance to meet you, I would love to meet you. My wife, Joy, and I we will be in the foyer right after uh, the service and have a special gift for you and just want to meet you and get to know you today. And we are in our second week of our Christmas series entitled Christmas at the movies. How many of you have like set Christmas movies that you have to watch every single year? All right, put your hand up. How many of you are like the Grinch and you don't have Christmas movies that you watch every year? All right, Uh, so we're trying to bring unity in our church. But uh, last week we looked at that movie, uh, a short clip from the movie, uh, really from the book, Uh, about the Grinch, and we basically made the statement, don't be a Grinch. Can you look at the person next to you and say, don't be a Grinch? I'm always interested to see if, who you look at first, right? All right, I'll give you another chance. Look look the other way and say, don't be a Grinch, okay? So he asks the question, how's your heart? Matthew 6, 24 says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And again, as, as Debbie maybe alluded to in the welcome this morning is, it seems like maybe an odd time for us to talk about uh, giving and generosity at Christmas. Uh, but it's a great reminder for us that, that where we put our money is where we put our passions. And what are we investing in for eternal Treasures or earthly treasures, like all these gifts under the tree. I'm curious, are there real gifts under those trees or is it just empty boxes? I don't know. Should I open one and see? Anybody, was anybody else thinking that or is it just, just me, all right? Anticipation. So today we're going we're gonna to talk about hope. And so I want to, as I mentioned last week, my favorite Christmas movie is It's a Wonderful Life. And I feel like that if you are under the age of 30, that you don't agree with me. Is that true? All of you young people in here, It's a Wonderful Life, do you give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down? Looking around, all right. I see some people who are on that age bracket voting, but uh, it's one of my favorite movies so as we think about hope and despair, hopelessness, I want you to watch a, a clip from my favorite movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Maybe, uh, maybe. I don't want any maybe. We've got to find that money. I've no good deal. Uncle Billy, look, do you realize what's going to happen if we don't find it? 
Listen to me. Do you have any secret hiding place here in the house? Some place you would have... Some place you would hide the money. I've come over the whole house, even in rooms that have been locked since I lost Laura. Listen. Listen to me. Thank. Thank. I can't think anymore, George. I can't think anymore. It hurts. Where's that money, you silly, stupid old fool? Where's that money? Do you realize what this means? It means bankruptcy and scandal and prison. That's what it means. One of us is going to jail. Well, it's not going to be me. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Glad you come. How about some of that good spaghetti? We got everything. You ever felt that way? God, if you're there, not a praying man, but show me the way. The bells are tolling for me, apparently. By the way, I, I'm, uh, I'm, my mind gets distracted easily. Anybody else get distracted easily? Did, I didn't notice that when I pulled that clip. Did you guys see the two dancing dogs in the first clip? I was like, where did those come from? I don't even know. Maybe, Jeremy, did you add those later? I don't know. That was funny. Like, my whole train of thought went, why are there dogs dancing on the screen? Right? Who, who noticed those? All right. Who, who, did, who had no idea? Should we walk? You guys are, I don't know what to think about you guys. I don't know. There's no hope for you. That's what we're going to say. There's no hope. Let's go home. Merry Christmas. Bah humbug. All that. What is your hope in? I think that question we could ask, what is our hope? I think you could phrase it even, you know, in whom is my hope? What is, you know, in in Hebrews it talks about that our hope, even as we sang about, is in a strong foundation. Our hope is in Christ. It's an anchor for our soul. And I think oftentimes I know in my own life that my hope what I've placed my hope in is not Christ alone. Sometimes, even when I think of the Christmas season, you know, you have that expectation. In fact, I was talking to a family, a young family this week about uh, the, the gift they're planning on giving their kids for Christmas. And there's this anticipation as a parent, you know, when you felt like you had that perfect gift that you're going to give your kids. And I even watched a video just showed up the other day. These, this, these parents, they wrapped the Christmas present. The two boys opened it up, and it said PS5 on the box. And these kids went crazy for this Christmas present. Then they ripped open the present, and it was an old PlayStation 2. 
And the kids, man, the, the words that came out of their mouth, they didn't, they didn't deserve a PS5, but they picked it up and they threw it across the room. And then the words that dad spoke were not appropriate either, but that, there was that anticipation. And then, so I was talking to this family, like we're so excited. It made me think of a memory when our families were together and there was this anticipation of the present and when, you know, it came and was presented on Christmas morning, there was not quite the excitement that the parents were expecting. And it seemed like all hope was, what? It was just gone, it was lost. So if we, if we misplace our hope in anyone or anything other than Christ, and I love this definition that if I remember correctly, Pastor Dave Wenger shared with us, it's been several years ago about this idea of hope. Because sometimes we think like, I hope so. Like, I hope today the Cowboys win. Let me, let me say it a different way. I hope today that the Eagles lose. Okay. But, but the truth is, if my hope is in the Cowboys, what's going to happen? It's never going to end well. I mean, never mind. I'm going to move on. So here's this definition that Pastor Dave gave us several years ago. Hopeful expectation of a promised eternity. Hopeful expectation of a promised eternity. That our hope is not just, well, maybe, I think, I, I hope so. As Hebrew says that our hope the anchor for our soul is found in Jesus Christ. It's found in the word of God. It's found in truths that we find. And so I, I wanna share a few verses of scripture that kind of just lay out for us this idea, hopeful expectation of a promised eternity. So if you're on the Bible app, you probably have these notes. If you're on the YouVersion Bible app, you may have found these. If you're really quick, maybe back in uh, elementary school. How many of you remember the the Bible sword drills. You guys remember that? Like, hold it up on the count of three. Titus 2, verse 11. All right, go. And how many of you would cheat during those? Okay, you are my people. All right. You're not cheating, you're not trying, is what I always say, but I digress. Titus 2, 11. For the grace of God. What a great word, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. That's what we're celebrating today at Christmas, aren't we? The advent, the, the appearance, the arrival. Salvation appeared to all men, verse 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Verse 13, looking for the blessed hope you might underline that. You might highlight that. You might circle that. The blessed hope. What is our blessed hope? The glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Are you looking for the return of Jesus Christ? So we have an advent. We have the opportunity and during this season. The advent simply means arrival. To celebrate the first advent. To celebrate the arrival of Jesus, King of Kings. And, and we also have the opportunity at Christmas not only to celebrate the first advent, but to anticipate the second advent. Are you anticipating the second coming of Jesus Christ? 
And he says in verse number 14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and he purify himself for his own people, a special people, zealous for good works. Turn, turn the page if you're there. Titus chapter three, verses four through seven. Titus three, starting in, in verse number four. But when, kind, when the kindness and the love of God, our savior toward man appeared, you see it again? Appeared. Verse 5, not of works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy. He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of, what's the last two words? My hope is in Jesus' return, but my hope is also in the fact that when, as it talks about the regeneration, I've been redeemed, I've been justified by the grace of God, that when I surrendered my life and my hope for eternity in the work of Jesus Christ, and I receive the grace through faith, that I have not only the hope of his returning, but I also have the hope of eternal life, that I will spend eternity in the presence of Jesus, my Savior. Isn't that something we can hope in? That this world is not my home, as the old song says. I'm just, what is it? Passing through. Reminds us of last week in Matthew chapter 6, that if my eye be good, my, my body will be filled with light. If my eye be evil, my body will be filled with dark. And it's this pers- eternal perspective. My hope is in the return of Jesus Christ. My hope is in that if he does not return before I pass from this life, that I will spend an eternity in the presence of Jesus. Isn't that a great hope? And again, as Hebrews would say, that hope is a secure foundation, an anchor for our soul, based on a God that cannot lie and will not lie. That is my hope. One more in case you're not convinced, all right? If we don't have a full picture of what or whom our hope is in, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. I'm gonna read that again. I hear some pages turning. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy, do you see the words that continue to show up? Mercy and grace, abundant mercy, has begotten us again to a living hope. And how did he provide the living hope? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So what is our hope in? Who is our hope in? Where should our hope be? It's in Jesus. It's in his return. It's in eternal life. It's in the the reality that I'm gonna spend forever in the presence of God of the one who died for me. Hopeful, healthy expectation. Spending eternity with my Savior. Now, go back to 1 Corinthians 15. Some of you have been hanging out there for us. And and 
Paul's definitely going to speak towards this idea of our hope. And it's directed really in this last one we looked at in uh, our hope through the resurrection, our hope through Christ. And, and the reason that Paul is writing, so in this letter to the church at Corinth, he's addressing some doctrinal issues. And one that specifically it seems like he's addressing in 1 Corinthians 15 would have been something that in the culture would have been prevalent that had infiltrated the church, which often is what we see when Paul is writing and instructing and trying to correct. So in Corinth, of course, the Greek philosophy at this day and age would have been that our body is a prison for our soul. So the Greeks did not believe in life after death. They did not believe in a bodily resurrection. You can see that in Acts chapter 17 when Paul is on Mars Hill. He speaks to the philosophers of the day. And when he mentions the resurrection, then we hear that the Greek philosophers would mock him. And that philosophy had infiltrated the church. That they were teaching and believing that when we die, we die, that's it. Life is over, no eternity, no bodily resurrection, as we read about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And so he's addressing this issue. So before we get to the text, let's refresh, let's re- remember, let's kind of go back over. What or whom is our hope? And we said a lot, but let, let me kind of bring it down to one statement. Return of Jesus for all who have believed. And maybe, maybe a better word would have been reunited with Jesus for all who believe. That is our hope. Jesus is our hope. And so as we look at this text, then we have to kind of wrestle with what Paul, and so I'm kind of giving you a, a, a heads up of where and what Paul is saying. So here's a great statement. If Jesus is not alive, this is profound, he cannot return. And if he will not return, we have what? No hope. If our hope is in being reunited, the return of Christ, eternal life with him in his presence, but he is dead, well, then we have no hope. That's what Paul is speaking about, and he's addressing it from the issue of if you don't believe that you are going to be raised from the dead, if you don't believe in resurrection, let's get into the text. 1 Corinthians 15 and we're going we're gonna to jump into the, the middle of it, all right? So look in verse number 12. Now, if Christ is preached that he's been risen or raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Like, if there is no resurrection, then, well, Jesus isn't alive. Verse 13. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. What is Paul saying? If Christ isn't alive... If there is no life after death, then our faith is meaningless. And if our faith is meaningless, I mean, couldn't we just say our existence is hopeless? Well, that's what he's going to conclude. Verse 15. Not only is our faith empty, but we are found false witnesses of God. We're a bunch of liars because we testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up if there is no resurrection. Verse 16, for if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ, well, they have perished. 
Then he says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ. In other words, there is no life after death. There is no resurrection. We are of all men most pitiable. We are hopeless. You feel the heaviness of that? If Christ, if there is no resurrection, that's what he's saying. Well, then we can't say that Jesus came back to life. And if Jesus didn't come back to life, then, well, life is pretty meaningless. If, if Jesus isn't alive, there's not really much reason for you and I to be here this morning, is there? Oh, so we could celebrate this man that Jesus came and was born and we can give a bunch of good gifts. But there's no hope in that if he's not alive. Because if Jesus is not alive, then there's no hope of him ever returning and reuniting with him. And Paul is painting this picture of despair, this picture of hope, that if there is no resurrection, then there is no purpose. And as he's kind of left us in this somber heaviness, look at verse number 20. But now Christ is risen from the dead. Can you say amen to that? And, and what we would say, he, he is alive, therefore we have what? You can do better than that. He is alive, so we have what? Hope. We have hope in being reunited. Verse 20, but now Christ is risen from the dead, and he has become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so Christ, in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are in Christ at his coming, then comes to the end. When he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign. In verse 26, the last enemy shall be destroyed in death. Remember the old song? Because he lives, I can what? I can face anything. I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, I will live. And there's hope in that. Do you agree with that? My hope is in the resurrected Christ. And so Paul, as he lays out this foundation that if there is no resurrection, then there's, Jesus can't be alive. And Jesus is dead. And if Jesus is dead, our faith is meaningless. We're hopeless. And we're also a bunch of liars. And then he brings it back and says, but in fact, Jesus is alive. And in verse 5, 6, he, be, he, he lays out the argument for it that he was seen by Cephas and the disciples, Cephas being Peter. Then he was seen by 500. And he said, even me, the least of all apostles, I saw the resurrected Christ. He is alive. And because he is alive, we will have hope. Hope in the risen Savior. Is that what your hope is in this morning? I hope so. But maybe this morning you, you're not sure. Maybe this morning you've never even heard this. What, what, what are you talking about? How can I have that hope? How can I have the assurance that when I die, I will spend eternity in the presence of God, my Savior? What, what is this hope you are talking about? How can I receive hope? Let's go to the beginning part of chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 
And Paul clearly articulates for us this morning how we, how you can receive hope. Moreover, verse number one, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I prepared to you, unless you believed in vain. So how do we receive hope? Paul says here, I, I declared or I preached or I proclaim, I gave you the gospel. When you receive the gospel, you believe the gospel, you place your faith in the gospel, you were saved by the gospel, saved to be redeemed, to be restored, be reunited with God, your creator, through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, saved. And that is which our hope is. For those who are saved in Christ, they be made a new creation. That's our hope of eternity. And so Paul is saying, you, I preach the gospel. You believe the gospel. You were saved by the gospel. So I think it's important for us this morning, if we're talking about how can I receive the hope? Well, Paul gives it to us. You, you hear the gospel. You believe the gospel. You're saved by the gospel, then maybe it's important that we define what the gospel is. Because if you have not heard the gospel, believed the gospel, and saved by the gospel, today could be the day you do that. And it would change everything. The hope that we speak of eternity with my Savior, Jesus Christ, it could be yours today. So what is the gospel? Well, Paul defines that for us as well. Look at verse number three. I deliver to you, first of all, that which I also received. So here's the gospel. It's very simple. Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. We could pass over that very quickly, but let's Rest in that for a moment. Jesus humbled himself, became obedient to death, even the death on the cross. Jesus humbled himself, and as we celebrate all this Christmas season, Jesus, who was fully God, put on humanity, put on flesh, and humbled himself and became us. He, John says he became flesh and dwelt among us. He was one of you. And I'm convinced today if Jesus was here, he would be a Cowboys fan, but, but that's beside the point. Think about this for a moment. Jesus, John says that he was the creator in John 1.1. In the beginning, nothing was created without Jesus, the word. And this creator, the God, humbled himself as a baby, lived a sinless, perfect life so that he could make the payment of your sins and my sins so that we could have hope of eternity in the presence of God. And so the gospel, the first part of the gospel we just read there in verse number three is Jesus died for your sins according to the scriptures. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that Jesus died for me. 
And the truth is, when I allow myself, like, like we are in this moment, just to be reminded of the sacrifice. There was no way for me to be good enough to get to God. Jesus, though, made a way. In fact, that's what he said, I'm the way. I'm the truth and I'm the life. But when I allow myself just to to pause for a moment and to recenter what my hope really is in, that Jesus, the King of Kings, he didn't just die for the world. He died for me. He took my place. Do you, do you let yourself sit in that for a moment? Jesus died for me. You know, I, probably my, not probably, my, my best friend besides my wife is my twin brother. He is a good looking man, by the way. <laughs> And, and my twin brother, as much as we talk all the time and as much as we love each other, and you know, you know what my brother never did for me? When my dad was, you know, had the clenched jaws of death, like, coming after me. I mean, I never really did anything wrong, but he would, you know. You guys, you guys, you guys know the look, right? Did your parents, your, your mom or dad ever give you the look and you knew, oh, it's, it's go time. Like, I got to go. You guys know what I'm talking about? My brother never once told my dad, I'll take his place. He's mean. Shouldn't, shouldn't he have done that? <laughs> Do you know what I never did for my brother? Well, let me, I never willingly took his place. There were times I never once said, hey, dad, I know my brother did it. He's a moron. But <laughs> punish me instead. Do you know what would have you know what I would have done if my brother ever would have offered to take my punishment? You know what I would have done? Do you do you think I would have let him take my punishment? Of course. <laughs> do you think he would have let me take his punishment? Of course. Jesus did that for you, though, on a much grander scale. It wasn't just a belt coming off. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Jesus was mocked, stripped naked, beaten. They shoved a crown of thorns on his head. And it was meant for me. Jesus said, I'll take his place. And some of you today, you need to just say, yeah, I received that. Thank you, Jesus, for taking my place. The gospel is pretty simple. Verse 3 there, it says, Jesus died according to the scriptures. What's the rest of it say? This is really where our hope gets good. Verse 4. He was buried, 
and he rose again on the third day. Can you say amen to that? Amen. He was buried and he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. He is alive. Do you believe that? Amen. So the gospel is very simple. You have to believe that Jesus died to take your place. That he paid the payment of your sins. That's what the scripture says he would do. And that's exactly what he did. You have to believe that Jesus now is alive. That God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, rose him from the dead. And he is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And one day when God says, it's go time, what's Jesus going to do? He's going to come get us. Are you looking forward to that day? I hope you are. And if you're not... Today could be the day that everything changes for you. That your hope could be not in what you're living for and not in what you're hoping for, but that you are living in the reality that God is in indwelling you through the spirit that you have relationship with God your creator that one day when Jesus returns you will go with him and spend an eternity. Today could be the day that everything changes for you. Well, I've given you the gospel, right? What did Paul say? I, I gave you the gospel, I preached it, I proclaimed it. You believe the gospel, and because you believe the gospel, you were saved by the gospel. You entered into eternal relationship with God, your creator. Do you wanna do that today if you've never done that? I'm gonna ask everyone just to close your eyes for a moment. And if today is a day that you would wanna say, I place my hope in Jesus, then right where you're at, right in this moment, you talk to him. I'm gonna give you three steps that make it very simple. But these steps, what they're leading you to do is just to say yes to Jesus. I receive you, Jesus. I place my faith in you, Jesus. The first step you gotta take is to admit you are a sinner. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So right where you're at right now, you talk to God. If, if you are wanting to receive the hope of Jesus in your life, right now, you tell God right where you're at, I admit that I'm a sinner. The second step is that you believe. That's what we just talked about. You, what are you believing? You're believing exactly what we just read. Jesus died for you. He came back to life. So, so right now, right where you're at, you've already told God, yes, I admit I'm a sinner. Now you tell God, I believe Jesus died for me and he came back to life. The third step is just to simply confess. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, and you will be saved. What are you confessing? Jesus is Lord, that he's the only way to God. So, so right where you're at, you've, you've already admitted, I'm a sinner. You've already said, Lord, I believe that you died for me and came back to life. And now, Lord, I'm confessing, you're the only way, Jesus. And, and so I would just ask, as our eyes are still closed, would anyone this morning say, John, right now, I just took those three steps. I receive the hope of God in my life. Just put your hand up right now. I, I wanna pray for you, all right, very good, cool. There's four right there. 
Anyone else? Five. Anyone else? Just put your hand up. Six. Just put your hand up. Seven in the, in the back there. Anyone else? Eight. Thank you. Nine. Can I tell you what's really cool? Some of those verses we just read, there's a tenth one. Thank you. That at the moment you gave your life to Christ, the, the steps you just took this morning, the Holy Spirit now lives in you. And Ephesians says you are now sealed until the day of promise, the day of redemption. God is in you. The hope of glory now is in you. God, I thank you for these who have made this decision. God, I pray you would give them wisdom and courage and the boldness to share it with someone. Maybe that's a, f- a friend that br- invited them or a family member or, or just to come talk to me after the service. You would give them the courage and the boldness to tell someone of the reality that they now have their hope in Jesus. And we thank you for that. Could we celebrate that this morning? Could we celebrate that? <clears throat> Amen. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come up and, and I'm gonna tell you if, you, if you raise your hand, you made that decision today, right there as you've already been instructed about the QR code. If you'll scan that QR code, there's a tab that just says I'm new. Click on that. And then there's a checkbox that just says, I received Jesus today. I made a decision to follow Jesus today. And let us know that you made that decision. We would love to give you some more information on uh, what your new life in Christ is like. For the rest of us this morning, we're gonna finish in in a song of worship. I'm gonna invite you to stand with me this morning. And it's just a simple song that says, I'm gonna build my life on Christ. The altar is always open as we close out the service in song. If you wanna come, and maybe this morning, it's just you've been reminded of the gift of Christmas, that Jesus is your hope. And, and maybe this morning you're struggling to find hope. Just come down and pray. Recommit your life or just ask God for his assurance, his faith, his strength. Let's continue to worship through song this morning.